And welcome to the illogical, preposterous, pointless, absurd, and depressing misadventures of Detective Swag and Dr. Yeadley. We must warn thee, these series of tales are fraught with perilously unfunny situations and... Wait, I wasn't finished yet, you homophobic... First of the second month in the year of our queen, 1899. We would see the Murkoy's tune wax above only if the clouds would part for us. I have moved myself away in the furthest room of the manor, and thoughts betwixt my mind the vexing, voracious, and outright execrable events of the last 24 hours have left me with the strongest desires of home. Before I dare write wound the words I wish to impart on the host marrowing of evenings, I must emphasize that the following information has been collected in earnest and related from actual sources deemed unequivocally reliable. For in these facts there can be no doubt I have seen the devil, and he is a dangerous sort. I must let's go back to the very beginning, so you may understand to the fullest extent the Norris we have endured this height. Oh, damn these spoonerisms! Chapter 1. Lamentations In the heart of a nameless city, on a street unknown, a man- 32nd of the first month in the year of our queen, 1899. Oh, come on now, that's just ridiculous. How unprofessional. I, James Yeatley, born in the summer of 1869, am just setting down to partake of a breakfast made up of maize roots and liver trimmings when- Yeatley! My god, man, where are you? Detective Alastair Swag, once a war hero and honored detective that patrolled London's unpalatable alleys and streets, now stands before me. A mess of a man, the best of his years firmly behind him. Ah, there you are, sweet Yeatley. Where is Periwinkle? Oh, Yeatley, I am perturbed. Perturbed, sir? Well, if you're fretting about the liver trimmings, I can assure you they didn't come from your beloved Chihuahua. No, no, Yeatley. I received a letter from a street urchin just now regarding my application to the museum. Oh, well, I take it they refuse to acquiesce your request for a lecture position, sir. Indeed, although I could do hearing it with less attitude, Yeet. 
We haven't secured any sort of work, long or short term, in almost a year now. The detective business has dried up ever since that coked up violinist and his war wounded worshipper moved in down the road together. Yes, sir. Tis a shame, sir. Why, I just this morning was reading of an appointment to boiler room assistant and was disappointed to learn that while successful applicants didn't need any formal training in order to obtain such a job, they needed at least five years' experience already before even being considered. Five years for a simple boiler room position. Can you imagine, sir? Imagine? I prefer to imagine our table with food on it. Mmm. Toad in the hall or a ram's bladder stuffed with whelks. Oh, I'd give my left earlobe for a nibble on a spotted dick. Yeatley, tell me, how can you be satisfied with, with roots and trimmings? Well, I keep my mind off it, sir. How? Well, by writing, sir. Writing what, my good man? You could write. Surely not about our exploits, for there'd be none in a good 18 months. No, sir, I thought... Well, I, I might begin writing... Fiction. Fiction? <laughs> what kind of fiction, pray tell? Uh, well, it, I... Good God, man, speak! Well, it's about a boy, sir. A boy who meets a wizard, a boy who meets a wizard, a rapscallion, his giant upright walking dog, and a, a princess. And an evil warlock who shoots lightning out of his fingers, and, and his uh, apprentice. How utterly ridiculous. Uh, well, I've only just started, sir. Sir, do, do you think it might be a little on the nose to make the protagonist, my protagonist, the, the son of one of the villains in my story? Yeatley, to be absolutely candid, I think it's the most laughable thing I've ever heard. And I don't care. Reminds me of my time in the war. <sighs> the war, sir. Yes. The date was the 20th of November, 1885. I was a lieutenant in the... Wait, hang on a sec. I'm British. Scratch that. I was a lieutenant in the stifling heat along the Irrawaddy River. <laughs> As I was saying, we were along the Irrawaddy River. Sir, the door! Yes, yes, all right. Oh, is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? God, he seems to be caught in a landslide of emotion. No escape from reality, sir. What is it, my good man? What do you want? Open your eyes! Look up to the skies and see... Look at his clothes, sir. Why, he's covered in blood. Why, he's just a poor boy. He needs no sympathy. This is a Why is it, sir, that you are so easy come, easy go? Oh, anyway, the wind blows. Doesn't really matter to me. This reminds me of a man in my regiment. A young Private George who was writing a story in a similar fashion to you, you... Oh, mama! Just killed a man. Dear Lord! Killed? Speak, Mongrel! Put a gun against his head! Pull my trigger, now he's dead! Tell me more, tell me more, tell me, what was he like? Sir! Look, he's not in a good way! Too late! My time has come. Shivers. Down my spy. Body aching all the time. He's dying, sir. A name! Give us a name! Galileo! Galileo! Galileo? Galileo! Galileo Figaro! Magnifico! You know the name, sir? No clue, you. you. He's dead, sir. Yes, all right, I see that, Yeet. Speaking of death, that George I was talking about, the one that wrote in a similar method to yours, 
Except his characters had swords made of light and mind powers. Well, we all had a good laugh. Until the Burmans ambushed us. Little Georgie got his hands blown clean off, along with the pigskin he was riding on, and the subtle, dark Burmese charcoal. Oh, we tried long and hard to find charcoal like it. Even dressed up as Burmese ladies of the evening in the city streets of Mandalay. But we could never find its like ever again, no matter how hard we tried. As Detective Swag continued his reminiscence, I made a note of the man and his death-like condition on my notepad. Who could have done this? Was this the face of a true murderer? Or was he mad? I leant towards the body, now lying lifelessly on the floor. A smell lingered in the air. Of sulphur. Sir, this man smells of sulphur. Yeet, please, I'm trying to monologue here. But sir, it's very odd that someone should smell of sulphur, sir. Oh, yeet, look at him. He's a ruffian, street dweller. He's probably worked at a blacksmith or at a mine. Doing much better than those Cornish farmers, mind you. The fuckers. Sir, I think we should see a doctor. Nonsense! My hate for the Cornish is perfectly normal. No, the body, sir. We need to know more. Oh, right then. I'll entertain your desires this once, Yeet. We shall take him to Dr. Fox. Throughout the dark underbelly of the city, few individuals were as contemptible as Dr. Fox. Once a passable surgeon with his trusty knife named Rupert, Dr. Fox managed to attract the services of the most renowned, eventually placing his fingers in many pies, and indeed was quite successful for a time. But then, reports of Dr. Fox crimes began to circulate. Crimes such as destroying the reputation of the brilliant Honorable Judge A. Patow, removing the stage performance of a lively fantasy comedy about scientists crossing the ocean delivering goods, and the worst crime of all, pretending that he, Dr. Fox, was still relevant. Having made a living off of destroying others' livelihoods, the doctor of ill repute, Dr. Fox, now sits in his surgery, awaiting a new cadaver he can suck dry. Oh, come now, is it necessary to say his name every single bloody time? <coughs> <coughs> A little nip here. A little tucker there. Blood goes here. Blood goes there. Dr. Fox! Dr. Fox! Oh, Mr. Simpson is back, sir. He's had a little heart attack. Again? That'll be 20 years in a row he's had a heart attack. Don't you let him die after all these seasons, sir? Because he makes me money. Ye gods! 
This place smells like a freshly peeled whore's armpit. That's OD Cologne, sir. Oh, excuse me. Be gone, female. Oh. Ah, Dr. Fox. You old. Fox. You have truly mastered the art of vocabulary, Swag. Ah, you forgot. The Amazonic greeting of tickling each other's nubs and slapping each other in the face? Shall we do that now for the listeners at home? Indeed we shall. Gucci. 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 That's a good sniff. We're here for swag. And other... My protege here, James Yeatley, has a body he wants you to inspect. Ah, young, white, and fresh. You'll be the perfect candidate for my experiments. No, not me. No, we have a dead body. Even better. Where is it? It's coming in the mail. Envelope for Dr. Fox. I'll sign for it. Thank you for choosing Amazon. Ow! Why the blades? These Amazon drones are getting out of hand. Now, what do we have here? You take the lead on this yeet. Time to reminisce about the war days. Well, the year was 1743. I I'll reminisce, okay? The year was 1743. I was yet to be born, but the war was in full swing. Oh, how it must have been grand each and every single one of them swinging their clubs with reckless abandon. Oh, the hills would have been truly alive. Doctor, this man showed up in our living room covered in blood, rambling about murder most foul. Ah, uh, another one bites the dust. Uh, well, yes, and we were wondering if you could determine the cause of death for us. Well, from a first glance, this specimen seems to have suffered from 180 separate overdubs. His intestinal organs only offer 24 analog tapes along with three separate submixes that have been spliced together. <laughs> A healthy dose of homosexual guilt from a certain director. The prognosis, the fingers tend to be predictable, unless being led to the brain. So what does that mean, Doctor? It means he's dead. Also, <laughs> it seems he was rich. <laughs> Beezlebub had a devil put aside for this one. As I peered closer, I noticed something strange. Under the soot and blood, his clothes had a regal bearing. Ah, yes, I see. His clothes, they, they have a regal bearing. He'd have to be very rich indeed to own such clothes. Sir, come look at this. As I pulled upon the golden chain protruding from the man's breast pocket, an ornate golden watch with a very irregular upside-down triangle engraved on the lid fell out and into my hands. Sir, an ornate golden watch with a very irregular upside-down triangle engraved on the lid just fell out and into my hands. Put it in my pocket, Yeet. How did we miss this before? Sir, the ornate golden watch with a very irregular upside-down triangle engraved on the lid that fell out and into my hands, it's a lead. You know what we must do. Of course, Yeet! Finally, after all this time, and practically gift-wrapped for us. Amazon are known for their impeccable wrapping, sir. All this gold. Yeet, this case must need solving now. If we but look at the man, it seems very clear that he is a man that uh, has... Recently uh, been in the working quarter, sir. Yes, thank you. I know, Yeet. I was just about to say it. Also, his hair, uh -huh. it denotes a very, um, something here. Yep. 
a very... Uh, a rich family heritage, sir. I was about to say that, Yeet. For God's sake, have you no respect? And that little goldy, clocky clue thingy. Ornate golden watch with a very regular upside-down triangle engraved on the lid that fell out and in my hand, sir. All right, you know what, swag? Uh, well, I didn't mean to, sir. But I was talking to myself. Got you. Boop! Can you two wrap this up, please? I have an experiment with my pet firefly I need to conduct as soon as possible. I call him Whedon. I'm just trying to say my piece. Get the words out and you're just ruining it. You're ruining it! I'm dreadfully sorry, sir. Yes, well, good. Mayhaps we shall journey into the working quarters of our city and find out who this rich, well-dressed, fine, moist, scrumptious morsel of a... Mayhaps we shall eat first and then depart? Good thinking, sir. I say, sir. Shall we call Scotland Yard to retrieve the body? Oh, oh, yeet. Was that a joke? Yes, sir. Oh, I say. What fun. Indeed, sir. Shall we chortle? Ah, yes, chortle. Not as vociferous as the American laugh, and not as lawless as the cackles of the lowly Australian. Purely British and perfectly cultured. Shall we do that now, sir? Indeed. Oh. Oh. Ha. Oh. Oh. As we chortled until my beloved Swag stopped in fear of self-urination, I began to think ahead. What impossible scenarios and murderous mysteries would we behold? I looked forward to where the next clue would lead us. With the whole street watching, they rode the handsome vigorously home. What moral filth is this? I have far better things to be doing with my time than excreting pornography to the general public. What are you doing, Leif? What are you doing for a peanut? A peanut? Do you take me for a monkey? What about two peanuts? Let me get this straight. You want me to play with a pair of nuts to continue doing this rubbish. Fine. I'll do it. And so, in plain view of the general public, they rode the handsome vigorously home. Coming as they went. Here's your evening paper, sir. I... Wait just a moment, how did we get here? My dear Yeatley, we rode the handsome home. But why, sir? What about the clues? My dear Yeatley, well, I already pocketed the ornate golden watch with a very irregular upside-down triangle engraved on the lid that fell out and into your hands, and the rest of the man's jewellery. We have no more reason to follow the case. We're rich until next let day. But that's tomorrow! Precisely. Look, we can't keep relying on knickknacks and pocket change. 
God, am I expected to wait for you to pick up cases when bodies start falling from the sky? Who is it? What in the name of Goldie Gold Gold Clues is that, Yeatley? To my distraught realization, bodies were indeed falling from the sky. Bodies are indeed falling from the sky! My boy, you're clairvoyant. Now say, Detective Swag shall be rich and drowning in pussy. Sir, I'm not going to say that. Nonsense, Yidley. You know I like the cats. But I'm not psychic, sir. No, this is just ridiculous. Say it, say it. Coochie, coochie, coo. No! Coochie, coochie, coo! Leave me alone! Out of the corner of my eye, I saw something. Wafting in the breeze, like... Well, like a cloud. Sir, what was that? What was what? I swear I saw... A balloon, just now, go past that cloud. Just then, another body came careening out of the sky, missing us by a mere fraction. It's my adoptive father's third cousin's daughter's male Siamese twin. The mayor! Look at their cheeks, sir. It's the same very irregular upside-down triangle that was engraved on the ornate golden watch that fell out of his pocket and into my hands. Is that really necessary? What a coincidence! <laughs> sir, the smell of sulfur. Something tells me if there is a lead in this city, it has to be in the working quarters. Well, I suppose we have no choice now, Yeet. My adopted father's third cousin's daughter's male Siamese twin's wife might ask for a petticoat back. And I can't part with those leggings. Get my cloak! The red one or the blue one, sir? The black. Always the black, Yeetly. It's manly and frightening. Wait. The one with the pink fur trim or the purple tassels? Well, the thing with the pink fur trim is when I am putting makeup on the women's, they are like... We fancy you have this... As we discussed the merits of tassel over trim, ah, I grew more and more excited. And not for the reasons I thought. Just take both. Bring both? Ah, what an ejaculation! That reminds me of my time in the war. Driver! Driver! No, no, you must listen to this. I it's amazing. Sometimes we would get both pork and ham. Really, sir? Yes, I know. Two animals, one meal. It's amazing. We fancy... Finally, an adventure had arrived. And none too soon, as I was quite sure I had become ready to perform some sort of flying experiment from the very top of our apartment. But little did I know of the horrors that awaited us at Brixton Rock. I've sent my story in separate letters, partly because I wish to draw out my own dramatic plight, and partly because, well, that's just the format. Continue reading, my dear, and you shall find out the truest extent of my fears. Forever wishing to be away from this accursed place, Dr. James Margaret Yeadley. Hem, hem. You done? Well, yes, I suppose. Um... We fancy you have despaired at the woebegone and incoherent tribulations of our pudding-headed heroes. Do not come back. Do not return to this tale of dour suspense and moronic lead characters who cannot stay in their lane. For we can promise you no respite from the horrors and sheer boredom you may experience from here on out. Good night. The illogical, preposterous, pointless, and absurd adventures of Detective Swig and Dr. Yeatley was created by Jordan Pierce. Written for audio by Jordan Pierce and Nathaniel Bryan. Featuring the voice talents of Nathaniel Bryan as Detective Swig, the narrator, and Dr. Fox, as well as Jordan Pierce as Dr. Yeatley, the dying man, and Clucky the nurse. Edited and produced by Jordan Pierce. The main theme is composed by Murray Atkinson. The tracks Madness Paranoia, 
Blackbird Primal, Gypsy Shoegazer, and Shadowlands Horizon by Kevin McLeod are licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution license. Solo Cello by Doug Maxwell is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution license. Dial M by Twin Musicom is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution license. All of the sound effects have been collated from the royalty-free sound effects hub on YouTube and Pond5, or have been recorded by Jordan himself. This episode has been put together using Adobe Audition and with the use of a few cheap mics and a mini sound desk. We aren't professionals, but we aspire to have fun creating something worthwhile. Please remember this is a non-profit entertainment service made just as much for our pleasure as yours. So please, share this with other people and send us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. We hope you've enjoyed the first part of the adventures of Detective Swag and Dr. Yeatley. He is hoping for many more to come. <laughs>